Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen, amen. I think the scripture, amen, tells us that as we see his coming drawing closer, it's more important that we get together. Amen. Really, what, that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which I think safely translates we need to get together more often. Amen. Because we need each other. Amen. How many of you can see the things happening in our world today? Amen. I, I think that we're going to look at some scripture tonight that it, I think even speaks to this. Shouldn't dishearten us. Shouldn't dismay us. Shouldn't fill us with fear. Amen. It should fill us with hope, with expectation, because there's, while it tells us that things are going to be bad in our world, it also tells us there's going to be a great revival. There's going to be a great harvest in the last day. Amen. 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 We're going to go ahead and dismiss our children. They're going to go and they're going to be working again on a song they're going to be singing for Easter. Amen. And for the rest of you, we're going to turn our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 4. Amen. Brother Wilson did a great job last week. Amen. On the first part of Acts chapter 4. And we're going to pick up where he left off in uh, verse 23. Amen. I don't know that we've mentioned it. I think we have. But Brother Wilson will be preaching on... Uh, Friday of Youth Congress this coming year. So, amen, we're excited for, for him and for that. Amen. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. And the Bible says, and being let go, they went to their own company. Everybody say they went back to their people. Amen, they went back to the church and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. Brother Gideon, good to see you. God bless you, sir. Amen. Elements 3, thank you. I'm just making sure you guys didn't forget. If you're a part of the Elements 3 class, you can be dismissed. Sister Linda, if you need to come and wrangle them up, you're welcome to do that. All right. All right. Thank you. Um, so we're going to continue in 
Have you enjoyed this walk through the book of Acts? Amen. Um, so we're going to continue. And uh, the next, this next section, again, we're going kind of through the segments that are noted by uh, the English Standard Version Bible, the ESV. And um, the, the next segment is titled, The Believers Pray for Boldness. I believe in this hour we, we, we need boldness. Amen, we need boldness. There's all kinds of um, things in our culture and, and uh, uprisings within our culture that are very much against righteousness. And uh, you all might have heard of the cancel culture. Uh, I got quiet right there. I didn't know it was that easy to shut it down in here. The cancel culture is just one of the approaches, you know, if, if they don't like what your stance is, they'll boycott you and they'll come against you. And uh, they, they don't like righteousness. So what we need in this day is we need boldness. Have you know that boldness doesn't mean the absence of wisdom? Amen. We need boldness to do what God is giving us direction to do. And so the believers pray for boldness. Brother Wilson covered the first portion of Acts 4 where Peter and John had stood before Annas and Caiaphas and the Sadducees. And at the conclusion of that discourse between Peter and John, and the, the rest of the religious leaders, Brother Wilson, you all remember that last week, he, he talked to us and said that they had commanded them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Amen. They commanded them, they put out law and decree that they stop preaching. Amen. I think that we as uh, Christians, I think as long as they're not violating our uh, scriptural stand, I think we should be law-abiding citizens. But, but law does not supersede the word. Amen. Law does not supersede the word. And I'm going to maybe wax a little pastoral here, but I think, you know, things have died down a little bit. And, and uh, you know, I think there was a time during COVID where we wanted to be careful for people's safety. We weren't sure what was going on with that. Uh, but but I, I think that there's scripture that says we can't stop coming together. Amen. Everybody still with me? There's scripture that says we can't stop coming together. And I think it was wise of us for us to take a little bit of time off and and wait and see how the health ramifications of that were going to be. But I think as soon as we can, we've got to get back together because Scripture supersedes anything else. Amen? We need to get back together in the house of God. Amen. And uh, so they commanded them that they would stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John replied and said, when it comes to a choice of whether we're going to obey you or God, we're going to obey God. Amen? When it comes to a choice, if it comes down to it, and I've got to decide, am I a Christian or an American? I'm a Christian. Am I a Christian or a Republican? I'm a Christian. Am I a Christian or a Democrat? I'm a Christian. Amen. And then after they commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus, they threatened them. Amen. They didn't go into what those threats were, but I can imagine they were probably some pretty colorful threats. And then they released them. They said, well, there's not much we can do. And so they threatened them and released them. And that's where we pick up this next segment, again titled by the English Standard Version, The Believers Pray for Boldness. The first thing that I want us to note in verse uh, 23, it says that after they had let them go, they returned to their own company. Right? They went unto their own company. And uh, Warren Worsby, in his commentary on this portion of Scripture, made this statement, true Christians always return to their own company. Amen. True Christians always 
return to their own company. And there's a cross-reference with this that is made in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. It says this, the, uh, the epistle of John writing here, the first letter from John says this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. All right, again, same, uh, same thought as, be, as, as is brought out in the commentary, amen, that true believers return to their own, amen, that true believers, yeah, we, we might go out there and we may do things and we work our jobs and we minister out in community, but we come back to our own, amen, we, we need one another is, is the point. After they had gone and, the, so this is after the healing of the lame man had taken place and they're arrested and then they're brought on trial before uh, Caiaphas and Annas and, and they're questioned and commanded and threatened. But as soon as that got over, they went back to their own. Amen. They went back to their people. They went back to the believers. They went back to the disciples. Amen. Now, I, I want to make this clear that we're not like some cult that we believe that, you know, Living Hope Maryland is the only church you can be saved in. All right. We don't believe that. So if somebody leaves here, you know, we're not going to give them the cold shoulder and if we see them in Walmart, we're not going to run and hide from them. Amen, Living Hope. We're not going to do that. Now, I do believe it's important you go to a truth-preaching church, but it doesn't have to be Living Hope. There are other churches that preach truth. Amen? Have you believed that today? All right? But what I would say is that it's, it, it is imperative that we are connected to a truth-preaching church. Paul wrote to the church in, in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And I'm going to read this portion from the ESV, and he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Or in other words, for this reason I'm praying for you. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the, earthly, to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with his power through his spirit in your inner being, so that you, so that Christ rather may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded. Everybody say rooted and grounded. Paul said, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying, amen, that you can be rooted and grounded in love. Have you know something that's rooted and grounded isn't going anywhere? Paul was saying to a church, Ephesus was a church, the church in Ephesus. The book of Ephesians was a letter to the church. And he's saying, my prayer for you is that you would get grounded in the church. Amen, that you would get grounded in truth. Amen, so that you can have strength to comprehend with all saints, not on your own, not in isolation, amen, but with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, amen, that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So Paul is saying here, you're not going to know the fullness of the love of God unless you are rooted and grounded, amen. You're not going to know the, the length and the, the width and the breadth and the height, the depth of the love of Christ Amen, that surpasses all knowledge comes to those that are rooted and grounded in Christ. Amen. Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus was that they would be rooted and grounded. Tell your neighbor, I'm praying for you to be rooted and grounded. Amen, I know it's Wednesday night. Everybody dragged in here. It's been a long week. Amen, but our prayer for one another is that we should be rooted and grounded. The Lexham English Version Bible says it this way. That you would be firmly rooted and established. Amen. That you would be firmly rooted and established. There are a few things that I think can help us to be rooted and established 
in the body of Christ. Amen. First of all, don't get planted in a garden with, or, or rather, get planted in a garden with a fence and not a gate. All right? Get planted in a garden with a fence and not a gate. All right? A gate means there's a way out of here. Now, again, I'm not, I understand there are situations, I'm, you know, again, I'm not saying that if you go to some other church and that preaches truth that you're, go, that you're not saved, I'm not saying that, but you can't go into, just like in a marriage, if I go into my marriage with a mindset that, you know, if things you know, don't work out, oh well, or, you know, if she doesn't, you know, she doesn't do this or that, she doesn't make my favorite meal, well, then I'll just go find me a new one. All right, how many of you know a marriage doesn't work that way? Two hands, the rest of you, okay, let's pause. We're going to do marriage counseling tonight. All right, let's scrap, let's scrap Acts for another date. We're going to talk about marriage right now. Not really. Relationships don't work that way. You don't get everything out of a relationship if, you're, if there's a gate instead of a fence. Amen. I don't need, I, amen. When I get, when God plants me in the church, I'm here. Amen. I want to get everything that God has for me. I, I think it's important up front. You need to know the doctrine that church preaches. You need, you need to study the scripture and make sure that that church is in the scripture. Amen. You need to make sure that, that it's not, they're not just up there preaching fables. Amen. Because if God plants you in a church and it's a Bible preaching church, first of all, you're not going to find a perfect church. You're, they're going to be flaws. Amen. If, if you find a church and there aren't, aren't flaws there, amen, probably leave because, anyway, my dad used to say it better than that. Don't stick around, I think is how he said it, because it won't be perfect any longer. All right? Any church that has people in it has flaws in it. Amen. Leaders are, are, are people. Amen. Pastors are people. We try to do our best to be led by the Spirit, but we, we sometimes make bad decisions, and sometimes we make good decisions, but we don't communicate them well. Because we're people. But that doesn't mean that we leave and go find us another garden just because the wind blew a little bit. Amen. No, I'm rooted and I'm grounded here. I'm going to stay and I'm going to be established. That's the only way. Amen. If you're, if you're constantly, I know Brother uh, Jones isn't here tonight. He's our resident green thumb. Right? He, I think he could grow radishes on a blacktop basketball court. He, could, he just got a green thumb. But, but I know this, you can't, something is not going to grow if every few weeks you go take it up and move it somewhere else. And then you go move it somewhere. That's not how you're going to. Paul said the way that you're going to know the love of Christ is you've got to be rooted in ground. You've got to be established. You've got to make up in your mind, I'm not going anywhere. Amen. You're going to find out flaws about people in the church, but you've got to stay established. Amen. Amen. Pastor's going to let you down. It's going to happen. But you've got to make up your mind. I'm rooted and I'm grounded. I'm not going anywhere. Amen. The, another thing that I think helps with this is don't bring soil from your old garden. Amen. Don't bring soil from your old garden. Things happen, right? Jobs move us and circumstances move us. And, you know, we're, we're the recipient of great people that have been transplanted to living hope. And I think most, I think all of them to, to every person that has moved here it's been done right. We've communicated with the pastor where they came from. Amen. It's been done ethically. But, but what, every, how many of you know churches have culture? Every church has a certain way they do things. And it's a little bit different. No, it's like fingerprints. Every church is a little bit different. We sing songs that are a little bit different. And we worship a little bit different. I, I like the way we do it here. But it's different than other churches. And, and if we come in with the mindset, well, that's not how we did it back in my old church. Right? And that's not how we did it back where I came from. And we try to bring that and impose that on the new church. 
We try to bring that with us and impose that upon the, and we have expectations based upon where we came from. It's going to be difficult for you to acclimate to the garden that God has planted you in. Amen? All right. I'm getting maybe, maybe too basic tonight. I don't know. So get rooted and grounded in the garden that God has planted you in. Amen. He said that they went back to their, their own. They went back to their company. We need the church to be able to go back to. Amen. I know we, we look at Peter and John as these super spiritual beings, you know, that you know, sometimes we idolize people and we look at them and, man, that, you know, that, that, that Bishop Staten, what a, and he is, he's an awesome man, but I know he's, he's a man, right? He gets tired and he gets weary and, 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 and we all of us in this building, the most spiritual, whoever that may be, amen, you get tired and we get weary, amen. And so Peter and John had just been through a tremendous uh, experience. It was great. There was miracles that took place and, 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 and healing that took place. But then they were also thrown in prison and they were uh, threatened and they were, you know, they were brought before the, the command and the council and, and reprimanded and all of that had gone on. And in their physical being, they were weary. Amen. Yes, great miracles had just happened, but in their physical being, they were weary. Amen. And, and the, they knew, if I can just get back to the church, if I can just get back to the people of God, if I can get back to my people. Amen. Have you felt that way on a long week and it's Wednesday afternoon and all week long you've been worn down and amen, you've been going through it and, you, and you, if I can just get back to the house of God and I can just get back to my people and amen, if I can just get surrounded by the worship of the people of God, I'll be all right. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, I look forward to Wednesday night. I look forward to Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. I look forward to getting back around the people of God because I'm renewed there and I'm restored there. Amen. I'm strengthened when I get around the people of God. The Bible says that Peter and John went back to their company and then con continuing in that verse, it says, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. So I scoured through the verses preceding, which Brother Wilson covered last week, and I ask you to do that with me. And I think there's actually very little commentary uh, concerning what the chief priests and elders said to them. There's a lot that they said behind their backs when they weren't in the room, right? Verse 16 and 17, the chief priests and elders admitted that a notable miracle had been done. But they made sure Peter and John were out. They didn't want to admit in front of them that a miracle had been done. They didn't want to admit in front of them that, that they were powerless and they couldn't do anything because they couldn't deny that a miracle had been done, right? That, that was, they said, it said that they had told them to go out and then they had that conversation. Now, verse 18, they call them back in and that's where they command them not to speak at all in the name of Jesus, all right? That's the first communication that I can find. Maybe if you could find it better, but I did my best to scour the verses there. It says, Peter and John went back and told them all the things that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Not what they said to the chief priests and elders, but what they said unto them, which was they commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus, and then before they released them, they threatened them further. Those were the two things. So John and Peter are now in the presence of their people, the disciples, and they say, hey, guys, we need to let you know this is what happened. Miracle took place. We were arrested. We were threatened. We were uh, chastised, we were corrected, we were and then we were commanded 
and we were threatened. They commanded us never to preach in the name of Jesus, and then they threatened us further, whatever that further was. That's what Peter and John come back and report to the company. They said, we, have, we just want you guys to know, we want to be up front, that they commanded us not to preach Jesus, and if we do, we've been threatened with things that are going to come our way. All right. It doesn't say that they reported back what they had said to them. All right. I don't, Peter and John didn't walk in there, and they're like, yeah, you should have heard what I said to them. I mean, they were like, you better not commit, you better not preach. And I was like, I'll preach whatever I want. That's not what they did. It wasn't them bragging and being arrogant about what had happened. They were telling them, amen, it, it wasn't John said, I told him to go jump in a creek if you don't like what I'm preaching. That wasn't it. All right. They said they, they came back telling them what Peter and John had said unto them. It, it wasn't the good stuff. It was the negative. All right. It was, it, they, were, they were letting them know the the climate that was out there toward the believers and the disciples. But, but after they told them the, 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 the commands and the, um, the, the threatenings, not the good news, but the threats and the commands, look at the response of the believers. Verse 24 says, and when they heard that, when they heard that they had been commanded not to preach, and when they had been threatened if they did preach any further, they lifted up their voices, amen. They began to give God praise, not because they heard a lame man had been healed, not because they, amen, because John and Peter had been, uh, had been courageous, but when they heard that the command was given, you cannot preach Jesus any longer, and, you, and if you do, we're gonna, we're gonna, the things are going to happen to you. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice, and they began to give praise unto God. Even in the midst of persecution and threatening, Amen, but, but, but here's what, here's what it, I want us to read closely. It doesn't say, it says when they heard that, they lifted up their, somebody read what it says. Voice, not voices, voice. There, there's never a more important time that the church stay unified than when opposition comes. It's easy to be unified when everything is going well, right? When, 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 when there's, you know, uh, more fish bumper stickers than there are the, the other bumper stickers that are out there, it's easy to be unified then. It's easy to be unified when everybody's saying how great Christianity is and, and how wonderful the church is and how awesome what God is doing over there on Chancellor's Run. It's easy to be unified in that time. But when the enemy starts coming against the church, amen, when there's opposition and there's commands not to preach the name of Jesus and there's threats that are being brought against the church and the climate that, I've, that I, I know we've been in and I, I don't feel like, I, honestly, I... I I want to come with good news tonight. I think it is if we'll look at it the right way. But I, I don't think society's view of Christianity is going to get better. The Bible tells us, and you know, as, as, the more that the bad times are coming, I don't, I don't you know, doomsday on a Wednesday night. I really want to encourage you all. But persecution is coming. We know that in the Scripture, Amen. But it's important in this hour that we stay together, that we are unified, amen, that it's one voice lifting up God. It's one voice together in unity. It's not every man for himself, amen. It's not black and white and brown and yellow. It's one voice. We're one church. We are the body of Christ. And when opposition comes, when, when, when they're criticizing the people of God and they're criticizing criticizing the church. We have to stand together. Amen. We're not Republican Christians and Democrat Christians. We are believers in Jesus Christ with one voice. Amen. We, we cannot afford to let the enemy divide us. 
Unity is never more important than when opposition and persecution come. And they lifted their voice and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and all the sea and all in them and all that in them is. Peter and John's experience did not frighten the other disciples. They told them the worst. They told them the worst of what was going on. And they told us we can't preach any longer. They said if we do, bad things are going to happen. Right? I got a, a, what is it, a fish in my mailbox. Is, I think that's something. Is that thing? What is it that the, ma- the mafia used to do? Was it a fish in the mailbox? I got a fish in the mailbox. Man, they said if we keep preaching Jesus, bad things are going to happen. But the, the, the disciples were not discouraged by that. In fact, many commentaries say, this, say it this way. It exhilarated them. Peter and John said, man, they commanded us not to preach, and the disciples got excited. They said, man, that means it's time to preach. If they said we can't do it, then it's time to preach. They said the Holy Ghost can't be poured out in 2023. There ought to be something in the church that, amen, some exhilaration, some excitement. Amen. Our world is telling us that everybody's losing their minds and you don't even know what gender people are any longer and that we ought not cower down as the church. We ought to get excited. It's time for revival. Amen. It's time for a move of God. Peter and John's experience did not frighten the other disciples. It excited them. They took confidence in God's sovereign control over all events. They said, Lord, thou art God. You're in control. You're the one who made the heavens. You're the one who made the earth. You're the one who made the seas and everything. You're in control. That's, that's, how, that's got to be our perspective when persecution comes, when society is turning against the church. Amen. When Christianity is getting demonized in culture, we've got to keep a perspective. God is in control. The guy in the White House, I don't care who he is, is not in control. God is in control. Amen. God is in control. They were comforted that the opposition they were facing had been foreseen in the Old Testament. Peter and John had experienced and the threats that had been made against them. The church saw what had happened to them, and they said, oh, David talked about that back in Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. In in Acts 4, that's what they're quoting. They're quoting Psalms chapter 2, which David prophetically, thousands of years before, had made this statement. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. All right, in other words, they were saying that the, the early church was not dismayed. The disciples weren't overwhelmed. They weren't bewildered. They didn't, they didn't say, oh, no, we better board up the, the, the walls and the windows and, and, and batten down the doors and, and hide. No, that's not what they did. They said, you know what? David talked about this a long time ago. And that Psalm chapter 2 was messianic prophecy. It was talking about the time of Jesus Christ. In other words, the disciples were saying, hey, we're right where we're supposed to be. The devil's upset because revival is here. The devil's upset because the church is doing what it is supposed to do. It's not time for the church to hide. It's not time for the church to become invisible. It's not time for you to be ashamed. Amen. It's not a time for you to be afraid. Amen. We're right where we're supposed to be. 
it should bring us comfort in knowing that the opposition we are facing was prophesied a long time ago. Amen. They went on and said in Acts chapter 4, verse 27, I'm reading the New American Standard Bible now. I'm all over the place with different Bibles. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. So they're saying David talked about it. David said that there was coming a time that the heathens were going to rage and they were going to rise up against the anointed one. And then they're saying that that's exactly what happened. Herod and Pilate, amen, the Gentiles and, and all the people gathered together against Jesus Christ. But here's what they said. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. They didn't do anything that, that you weren't in control of, in other words. They, Pilate and Herod thought they were in control. They thought they're the ones that put Jesus on the cross. They thought they were the ones that gave the power for those lashes to be laid on the back of Jesus. But the disciples were saying, no, you were in control all along. You had prophesied that a long time before. It was predestined. So that, in other words, what they're saying is the crucifixion of Jesus was fulfillment of prophecy. Amen. Even the crucifixion of Jesus, Herod and Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel all gathered together to do what? To do what you had already said they were going to do. The crucifixion of Jesus does not make any sense unless you realize it was a fulfillment of the plan of God. How many of you realize today that the crucifixion of Jesus was God's plan? I, I hope we believe that. Amen. Without Jesus, without the sacrifice of Calvary, there's no blood. Without the sacrifice of Calvary, all us Gentiles in the room have no hope of salvation. Calvary, the crucifixion, was not an accident. Amen. It was the plan of Jesus Christ. And so Peter and John have come telling them that, that, that we've been reprimanded, we've been in prison, we've been threatened for preaching Jesus Yet the response of the disciples was to praise God because they realized that everything that was going on was a fulfillment of prophecy that God's hand is in this. Amen. That God didn't make any mistakes. That God is, God's hand is what it, and if we can, in time prophecy, when we look at the scripture, amen, what's going on in our world today, it's been prophesied thousands of years ago. Daniel saw it, amen. John the Revelator saw it, amen. But they also saw a church in the middle of it all. And they saw a church that was victorious. And they saw a church that was glorious. And so it's time, not time to get bewildered. It's time to have a revelation that we're right where God wants us. They said, we're living fulfillment of old time. David talked about us. Hallelujah. David, I believe Daniel, through prophetic lens, saw what's going on in our world. Right, He saw, he saw the believers. He saw the church of this modern day. John the Revelator, I believe, saw that maybe, maybe some of us, maybe even our very faces flashed before John the Revelator. I don't know. But that should bring us comfort to know that we are living fulfillment of old time prophecy. God knew this day was coming. Secondly, they knew this. They took comfort because they were joining in the fellowship of the suffering of Jesus Christ. Amen? We've got to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. And they knew that there was eternal purpose in their circumstances. 
Amen. You ever thought about people who have no faith in Jesus Christ? How empty life must feel? That the only purpose your life has is the 50, 60, 70, 80 years you live. That's it. And beyond that, it has no purpose. Amen. You know, you know what brings meaning to my life is that my life has an eternal purpose. Amen. The things that I do here in this life, amen, that there is eternal value to the things that I do. And they, they knew, amen, because this had been prophesied that the things that we're going through right now, they were saying there is eternal purpose in them. Amen. If all that we can see is the suffering, if all, of those, if all that those disciples would have, hear, would have heard was Peter and John talking about how, how anti They weren't even called Christians yet. How anti-the way, I think, is what they were referred to at that time. It wasn't until Antioch that they were called Christians. But if at that time, if all they could have heard was the suffering, if all that they would have heard was the opposition and the negativity, and today if all we can hear is the negativity, and that's why I'm an advocate of turning the news off. Hallelujah. I'm an advocate of shutting CNN off and turning Fox News off. I don't care what brand it is. It's all trash. I'm going to say that again. I don't care what your flavor is. It's all garbage. Amen. All they're talking about is the negative and the bad. And if that's all we see, if, if those apostles, when Peter and John walked in and started telling them about what was going on, if all that they would have heard was negative and, and opposition, you know what? It's hard to praise God when all week long all you hear is negativity and opposition. But when they recognize this is fulfillment of prophecy, amen, that we're getting closer to the coming of Jesus than we've ever been. Amen. There's a revival coming to our world like we've never seen before. Amen. I I know, I know we got excited a few weeks ago about those colleges starting to break out and revive, but that's nothing compared to what is getting ready to happen in this last day. Amen. I believe that. It's nothing like what is getting ready to happen. They're going to come from every walk of life. They're going to come from every race, from every nation. They're going to come. They're going to be drawn by the Holy Ghost. We're not going to have to convince them. We're just going to have to give them opportunity. And if we can recognize what is happening in our world is fulfillment of prophecy. And we can find ourselves on the map of end time prophecy. We can do what the disciples did, and that is praise God in the midst of it. We can praise God. Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. Turn off whatever other brand you might be listening. Turn it off and lift up praise unto God because Jesus is coming. Amen. Turn it off and lift up your voice unto God because we're on the map of end time prophecy. Amen. Verses 29 through 31, we're coming close to the conclusion. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your servants may speak the word with all confidence. Everybody say confidence. In the last days, we need ministers that minister with confidence. Amen. MITs. We talked about this Sunday night. The the apostles, after they had heard what was going on, they knew the climate that they were going back out into, a climate that said you can't preach Jesus, and if you do, 
bad things are going to happen. And say, Lord, help us to find quiet, secret places where they won't find us. They didn't say that. They said, God, we need confidence. We need boldness. Lord, help us. God, you hear their threats. And God, we're asking that you would grant us confidence. Lord, that we would be able to speak your word with confidence. And in these days, we need ministers. I saw a clip the other day of a, of a minister standing up talking about the reason that we should celebrate transgenderism. And I said, what kind of wuss is that that would stand up there and, and declare such an anti-God thing in a pulpit? Caving, caving to what's going on. We need boldness in our pulpits, amen? We need boldness in our pulpits. Sorry if I offended you with, with my uh, word that I borrowed from Bishop, but amen? We, we need, I'm not saying we have to be hateful and, and, and offensive to people. I'm just saying we got to declare the word of God. We can't cave in in this hour. We got to work, we got to preach the word of God. Amen. God, give us boldness. God, give us confidence. Amen. I recognize that in Acts 4, probably very little of the ministry within their context was taking place behind lecterns and pulpits and on platforms like I'm standing on right now. However, it was still a preeminent prayer of the early church that God those that are ministering your word, give them confidence. Lord, when they stand up there and begin to declare the word of God, let them be confident. Lord, when they begin to declare truth, let them be confident. Give them boldness. I talked to our MITs, our ministers in training Sunday night, and I told them when we, that, that when they get up here to minister the word, I don't care if it's your first time or your 50th time, you need to get behind this pulpit and you need to preach with confidence. Amen. And if it's in the grocery store or if it's on your on the job, amen. How do you know you're ministers of the gospel wherever you go? You need to minister the gospel with confidence. Amen. Something happened bad to my notes. Give me a second. I got a lot of verses in here that I don't think I put in there, so I'm trying to get back to where I was. We we, we need confidence. Amen. Have you know? Have you know that the preaching of the word of God? Okay, here's where they came in. I'm sorry, it's all coming back to me now. Pray, pray for your pastor for his memory. All right, we need to be confident. Have you know that preaching is persuading? Have you knew that preaching is persuading? You're persuading people. Acts 17, one through four says this. Uh, speaking of Paul, when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them. Everybody say, he reasoned with them. Out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. Amen. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. What did Paul do? He persuaded them. He opened up the Bible. Amen. How many of you know that you got to be confident to persuade somebody? Amen. You got to be confident to persuade somebody. Amen. The number one rule in sales is you got to believe in the product that you're trying to sell. We don't need weak, pathetic, limp wristed preachers getting up in the pulpit that don't even believe what they're preaching. 
How, how am I going to persuade you? How am I going to persuade you that sin will destroy you if I don't believe sin is really that bad of, bad of a thing? How am I going to persuade you that heaven is a great place and that you need to be there if I don't even believe there is a heaven? I've got to believe so that I can persuade you. And, and I, know that, I know that we mean well, but I think sometimes we, 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 we don't want, you know, I don't want that preacher to get a big head. So, I, you know, I, I'm not going to tell them they did a good job because I don't want them to get filled up with pride. Amen. Can I tell you, if you've preached one time, you know that's not possible. If you've ever preached in your life, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a line of devils waiting you when you walk down off the platform ready to tell you how ineffective you were. How, how you could have said things different than you said them. And you should have said this or you shouldn't have said that. The devil's waiting there. Every time I preach or teach, there's a line of devils waiting. I'm not talking about you all. I'm talking about spirit world. One person walking up and saying, that was great tonight, Pastor, I promise you, is not going to throw me into the realm of arrogance. Where I just prance around thinking I'm all that in a bag of chips. All right, It's okay to tell somebody when they preach the gospel, that was great. We needed to hear that. Thank you. Why? Because we need confident preachers. We need confident preachers that believe the word of God. Amen. The, the early church said, I, God, we want to pray one thing. You've heard their threats. God, help us to be confident whenever we deliver your word. And I'm praying that God would raise up confident young men and young ladies in this church. Amen. That wherever you declare the gospel, you would do it with confidence. That's not the only place. Acts 17, 17, the Bible says Paul disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with devout persons and in the market daily. He disputed. He was persuading them. He was working to persuade. You can't do that if you're, if you're not confident in what you believe. Acts 18, 1 through 4, and after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and they found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and he came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers, verse 4, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Amen. We need confident ministers in this hour. Amen. If you young men are going to ascribe to ministry, don't get up here and, and be wishy-washy. Get up here. Make sure you spent time in prayer. Make sure you spent time studying the word of God. But get up here and declare the word of the Lord. Because you might only have one chance. You might have one chance somebody comes in. And they're resting all week long. They've got a world that spent literally billions of dollars marketing, trying to persuade them trying to persuade them that all these other alternative lifestyles are approved of and, and fine and, and that sin is a good thing. And you've got one chance for about 30 minutes to get in this desk and persuade somebody of the dangers of sin and that sin is destructive. Amen. That the gospel is great and that grace will save you. Amen. So get in this pulpit and preach the word of God and do it with confidence. I went through, the, I'm just going to quickly, these are the things. If I just get up here and confident because I think I'm all that and I'm a good speaker, well, that's arrogance. But there are some things that we can do that if we will do these things, we can be confident. I don't think these are just relegated to pulpit ministry. But, so I'm just going to very quickly walk through this list right before we come to a conclusion. If I'm going to get up here and preach with confidence, there's a list of things that I need to do. First of all, I need to be confident that I'm in right standing with God. 
Amen. It's hard, to, it's hard to preach with confidence when you know there's some sin that ain't dealt with. Amen. So I need to be living a repentant life. Have you know it's hard to witness to somebody if, if you ain't living right? Right? It, it's just a hard thing to do. So I, I, need to be, I, need to, I need to be confident that I'm in right standing with God. Secondly, I need to be confident that my motives are right. Amen. That I'm, that, that, why, why am I preaching? Amen. Am I, am I up here preaching so that I can show off? Or am I preaching so that I can, you know, yield that authority and, 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 and show somebody who's boss? Or am I doing it because I love the people? Amen. Because I'm trying to feed the flock. Thirdly, I need to be confident that I'm ministering at God's bidding. What does that mean? That God's the one that put me here. I didn't drop hints. Hey, pastor, I got this uh, <clears throat> word I'd like to. You know what I'm saying? All right. I, here's one thing that helps me. When I'm preaching, no matter whether it's one-on-one or, you know, a couple thousand people, it doesn't matter. If I know that I didn't manipulate things to get there, that those doors open because God opened them, I can stand there with confidence and say, you know what, God? I didn't ask to be here. You put me here, so you've got to anoint me because I'm your servant. Amen? Fourth, I need to be confident that I've spent time in prayer. Amen? Not not on the walk from that chair to here. But that throughout the week, I've spent time in prayer. I've spent time in prayer for the people that I'm going to be ministering to. I've spent time over the word that I'm about to preach. Amen. I need to be confident that I've spent time examining and studying the scripture, that I know what I'm about to, what I'm about to teach on or expound on or preach on. I need to be confident in that. Amen. Next, I need to be confident in that one point that I've been asked to deliver. Amen. If you get a chance to preach, don't try to preach every point that you've ever heard in the Bible. Because you're going you're gonna to have a lot of people out there saying, what was the point of that? All right, they're, they're, what was he talking about? Get one point. Get one point. One point across. All right, next, confident that I'm striving to grow in my effectiveness. I want to be better. I want to be more effective. And then lastly, I need to be confident that my thoughts are well prepared. Now, all you MITs, I expounded on that Sunday night. I'll just leave those there for you guys to... If you have more questions, I'll share that with you. All right, so here's what I'm asking for us as a church. When these young ministers get up here to preach and teach, please don't take it upon yourself to come and critique them. All right, you, you just don't know what that does to somebody's confidence. What you need to do is amen them. Help them. Help. Why? Because we, I promise you, there's a devil, amen, there's all every devil in hell Amen. All of hell is a, it does not want preachers to be confident. They want them to be second-guessing. Amen. Wishy-washy, but we need preachers in this hour. Amen. Shaq, I want you to, I want you to grow up. Or you're grown, but I want you to become a minister that is confident. Brother Andre, when you get up here to teach, I want you to be confident. Simone, when you teach, I want you to be confident. Brother Johnson, when you preach, I want you to be confident. Herbie, I want you to be confident. If, 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 they, if they mess up and something was a little doctrinally off, come and talk to me, and I'll, I'll work. But I, here's what I know about the young ministers in this church. If they're off a little bit, it's not intentional. They're not up here trying to sow seeds of discord. They're not up here trying to mess this church up. And you, you just never know how much it's going to help somebody when they get done. Just go, hey, that was great. All right? That, that was great. Thank, thank you for getting up there and sharing the word of God. Let, let Living Hope be a church that produces... Amen. Confident preachers that are taking the gospel around the world. Let Living Hope be a church that's, that's producing ministers, preachers, and teachers that are taking the gospel around the world.
Amen. And when they had prayed, the place that they were in was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And they were filled with boldness, confidence. God gave them boldness. Amen. Musicians can come. Amen. Living hope, we're, we're, we're on the, we're right where God wants us. All the stuff going on in our world right now sh- should not be causing the church to hide, should not be causing us to cower. It should cause us to be filled just like those disciples after Peter and John. They told them all the opposition, and they got even more excited. Amen. David told us this day was coming. Amen. They did it to Jesus, and now they're going to do it to us because we're right where we are supposed to be. They couldn't be doing this if it wasn't predestined by God for it to take place. Amen. I want us to stand together. I want us to pray, not just for the men and women that stand up here or Sunday mornings. I think we stand down wherever you stand. I'm praying on your jobs. It might be in a cubicle, sitting at a chair and person at the cubicle next to you scoots their chair in and begins to talk to you. I'm praying that God will give us boldness and confidence in this hour. Amen. I'm praying that God would let Living Hope be a church that is confident in the Word of God. Lord, give us boldness in this hour. God, you hear their threatenings. God, you hear the threatenings of this world. You know what the world is saying. God, you hear legislation that is being passed. Lord, you hear things that are being said. Hallelujah. But God, what we're asking you in this hour is not that persecution would pass us by. Lord, not that they would go go away and leave us alone. But God, that you would give us boldness. God, that you would help us to be confident when we preach your word. Oh, God, I pray on Sundays when we stand in this pulpit that we would preach with confidence. Lord, on Sundays when we minister in teaching that we would do it with confidence. Hallelujah. On Wednesday nights, God, we want to do it in confidence. Lord, every day throughout the week in our community, God, we want to preach the word with confidence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Here's what I want to ask us to do. If you're part of the MITs or you, it doesn't, there's not like a, some club we have going on. If you're, if you're here and you want to grow in ministry, I will gladly invite you to that. It's not some secret club. Just come let me know. But if you're here right now and you're in, and you're in the MIT class or you have a call of God in your life and you want to minister the word, I want you to raise your hand right now. Amen. Here's what I want to ask the rest of us to do. I want us to find one of these folks that has their hand raised that right now. I want us to pray. God, raise Shaq up to be confident. Lord, I pray that, God, you would raise Shaq up, God, to be a powerful, anointed man of God. Lord, I pray for Brother Alberti. God, I pray for Michelle and Simone, for Herbie. Come on, it's not an age thing. It's, it's not. It's just somebody saying, I, I, want, I want to grow. I want to grow in my ability. I want to grow to be a, a steward of the Word of God. I want to grow so I can declare the truth in a world that needs the light of the gospel more now than they've ever needed it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and now, Lord, grant thy servant boldness. And now, Lord, grant thy servant confidence. Lord, you hear the threatenings of this world. God, you hear the threatenings of our our society. God, we're asking you to grant us boldness. God, we're going to spend time in prayer. We're going to spend time in study. Hallelujah, God. We're going to make sure that we're in right standing. 
Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to 